بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله خير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار Before we begin I gave out some of these uh, printouts in the last lesson I only have about 15 with me so if you didn't receive one last week I'll pass them around inshallah and you can just pass them across that way or if you don't mind sharing for now inshallah we'll bring some more in the next lesson uh, but this is the uh, complete poem that we are studying inshallah ta'ala in these lessons and the poem is the lamia which is ascribed and attributed to Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah as we mentioned in the previous lesson there are some scholars who establish and affirm that this uh, compilation of poetry is ascribed to Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah from them Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Sheikh Saleh Al-Suhaimi and others in the past as well. There are some scholars who uh, dispute that, but in any case we see that the poetry itself when we look at the contents of this uh, poetry we see that it that there it you know ex- it, it com- comprises and contains the aqidah of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah in those particular issues. So the first lesson we had was uh, I- the last time that we met a couple of weeks back and we said that we have a number of explanations that we are going to make use of inshallah ta'ala from them is the explanation of Sheikh Salih al-Suhaimi hafizhullah ta'ala one of the scholars of Medina and likewise we had an old explanation from around uh, 200 years back from a scholar by the name of al-Mardawi likewise we also have some other small rasail and some other booklets uh, one of them that we have which we're going to go through today inshallah ta'ala is by a student of knowledge from the students of Sheikh Muqbil rahimahullah Abi Abdullah Muhammad bin Ali bin Hizam. And so what we're going to do inshallah is try to extract all of the benefits that we find in all of these different sources as we proceed through each line of uh, each line of poetry inshallah ta'ala. So in the last lesson we began uh, with the explanation of Sheikh Salih al-Sahimi on the first line of poetry and this was the statement at the beginning ya sa'ili an madhhabi wa aqidati رزق الهدى من للهدايه يسال and the general translation of this statement was is that ibn taymiyah is addressing the person who is asking him about his madhhab and about his aqida and he states that indeed the one who asks for guidance then he will be bestowed with guidance and that was the essential meaning of the lines of poetry and so the sheikh mentioned a number of benefits we went through briefly the position and status of Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in the ummah of Islam and we established we said that when you look when you look at Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and the era in which he was born in that he is basically our connection to the salaf because after the 4th century of Islam when the people of sunnah were strong there were certain things that happened and the ahlul kalam the people of kalam from the ash'aris and the the, the the ash'aris in particular that because of historical reasons and political reasons they actually gained strength 
and they were in control in Egypt, in Sham, and Khorasan, and other places because they had with them organization, they established schools, and so on and so forth. And uh, the connection to the Salaf was cut off. And so when Ibn Taymiyyah came, and he inherited, he collected all of the books of the Salaf. Ibn Taymiyyah had thousands of books of the Salaf. And from that, he was able to comprehensively see what had happened to the Ummah of the splitting and the differing. And he acquired such encyclopedic knowledge that he actually himself stated that I know the origin of every single sect in Islam. And I know the name of the founder of every single sect in Islam. And I know the, the, the origin, the asal of his qawl, his saying, and how it departed from what the Ahlul Sunnah were upon. So when Ibn Taymiyyah, when he began writing his books and he began to refute the Jahmiyyah, Bayan Talbis al Jahmiyyah, he began to refute the Ahlul Kalam, he began to refute the Rafida, Minhaj al Sunnah Nabawiyyah, he began to refute all these different factors. He refuted the philosophers, he refuted the, the people of logic, he refuted everyone, the Qadariyyah. He didn't leave a sect from the sects of Islam except that he demolished their misguidance and reconnected the Ummah back to the books of the Salaf, the books of the Salaf. And so when we look at the person of Ibn Taymiyyah, we see that, that, that there is a huge uh, heritage, legacy, lesson <coughs> that we have in his works, which makes every Salafi in need of his particular books. Because from that we are, we are, we are receiving a direct connection back to what the Salaf were upon. And so we mentioned briefly about the person of Ibn Taymiyyah, there were some other few points that were mentioned uh, in the previous lesson. So today what we're going to do, inshallah ta'ala, is we're going to stick with the first line for the rest of this lesson. And so the first line, as you can see, Ya sa'ili an madhhabi wa aqidati Ruziqal huda man lil hidayati yas'alu So, the first point that we make here is is the statement, Ya sa'ili Ya sa'ili Here, Ibn Taymiyyah is referring back to the one who asked him the question. And he's saying, oh, one who asks me the question. And so here, we see that Ibn Taymiyyah would often receive many questions from people of different regions and different cities and different areas. The people would write to him and ask him, explain to us, O Shaykh, about this issue. Explain to us, O Shaykh, about this issue. Because as I said to you, the time that Ibn Taymiyyah was living in, we see that many influences and deviations had entered into the Ummah, as we said. There were the people of Kalam. There were the people of Falsafa. Those who came like Ibn Sina, this Kafir called Ibn Sina, Al-Farabi, and other people, those who came and said that the Prophets were just men, intelligent men who made things up in their minds, they told stories, just to you know, give the people some meaningful purpose to live their lives. And that philosophers are superior than prophets. Right? This is what these people were saying. And then there were the, there were the people of the Ahlul Kalam, the Jahmiyyah, the Mu'tazila, those who rejected Al-Qadr, there were the various groups of the Shia. Right? So, so you can imagine that in all of these different Muslim lands, there are people who are trying to stick to Islam, and they're hearing all these things. Some are hearing Shubha to do with Al-Qadr, some are hearing Shubha to do with the Sahaba, with Abu Bakr, with Umar, some are hearing Shubha about the, 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 the issue of prophethood. Some are hearing shubahat to do with Allah's names. And the, so in all these cities, we see there are people who are you know, confused. And so they would write questions, 
and they would, you know, uh, send them to Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he would write a whole book. Right? So he would write a whole book, like Aqidatul Wasitiyah, one of his well-known books. He wrote it to the people of Wasit. Aqidatul Hamawiyah, he wrote it to the people of Hama. And then we see uh, Tadmuriyah, he wrote it to the people of Tadmur. So there are all these books that he wrote, and likewise there's poetry which he wrote on different topics, that were responses to people who had asked him, either individual people or groups of people who came together to ask and pose a question. And so here we see that Ibn Taymiyyah, when he says, Ya Sa'ili, O he who is asking me, then again we see this poetry is in response to uh, a question. And we see in the Qur'an, uh, we see that, uh, in the Qur'an itself, we see that when a person asks questions, a question can be asked from two different types of people. There are two different types of people who ask a question. The first one, is the su'al al-muta'allim. Su'al al-muta'allim. And the second one is su'al al-mu'anid. Su'al al-mu'anid. A question, the first one, is a question who, of the person who wants to study. Right? So he wants to study. That's, that's why he's asking the question. And the second type of question is the su'al of the mu'anid. As in he is a stubborn opposer. And his question is not to learn, but his question is to show opposition and rejection. And, and that's why he's really asking the question. Not because he wants to know, it's because in his heart there's already rejection. So he's asking the question out of argument. Right? So there are only two types of question. The su'al of the muta'allim and the su'al of the mu'anid. And there are proofs of that in the Qur'an. So we see in the Qur'an, the sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they would come to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they would ask him about certain things. An example Allah says, Yas'alunaka anil anfal. They ask you about the spoils of war. And uh, the answer would come, Qul al-anfalu lillahi wal-rasul fattakullaha wa aslihu dhata baynikum. The very first verse of Surah Al-Anfal. Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse number 1. They ask you regarding the spoils of war. Say to them in response that the spoils of war belong to Allah and to the Messenger. So have the taqwa of Allah and rectify that which is between yourselves. So this is a su'al of the who? The muta'allim. The su'al of the one who wants to know, who wants to learn. And likewise we see another example in Surah Al-Baqarah. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْأَحِلَّةِ They ask you concerning the, the, the moon, the crescent, the new moons. And so Allah says, قُلْ Respond, meaning to the messenger, هِيَ مَوَاقِيتُ لِلنَّاسِ وَالْحَجِّ Say that these are means of determining time for the people and for the purpose of, of Hajj. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2, verse 189. So here we see these are examples of the su'al of a muta'allim. He asks because he wants to know. He genuinely wants to know. As for the su'al of the mu'anid, the one who is a stubborn opposer, and his intent is not to learn, but his intent is just to argue. Then we see in the, the examples of this in the, in the Qur'an as well. So an example of that is when <coughs> some people, they asked about the ruh, the soul. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْرُوحِ They ask you concerning the soul. 
And so Allah says, قُلْ Say, O Muhammad, that the ruh, قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْإِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا See, the soul is from the affair of my Lord, but you have not been given knowledge except little. Surah Al-Isra, Surah 17, verse 85. And likewise, another clear example in which in Surah Yasin, at the end of Surah Yasin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the example of a man. Allah says, أَوَلَمْ يَرَ الْإِنسَانُ أَنَّا خَلَقَنَاهُ مِن نُطْفَةِ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَسِيمٌ مُبِينٌ That does not man see that we created him from a small drop of sperm? And then he turns out to be a clear disputant. He disputes and begins to argue. وَضَرَبَ لَنَا مَثَلًا وَنَسِيَ خَلْقَهِ He then starts giving examples for us. Yet he forgets his own creation. And then he says, قال, and This is the question. قَالَ مَنْ يُحْيِي الْعِذَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِيمٌ Now he's asking a question. Who is going to revive these bones? Who's going to bring back these bones whilst they've turned to dust? So this question here, this question that a man is asking, who's going to bring back these bones when they've turned to dust? This is a su'al of a mu'anid, of a stubborn opposer, a stubborn rejecter. And likewise, we see an example of this from the great Imam, Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala. When in his gathering, a man came along, and inshallah you know this incident, this man came along, and he said, Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arshi istawa. So he mentioned an ayah in the Qur'an, in which Allah says, Ar-Rahman, he ascended above, the, above his throne, or above the throne. He made istiwa above the throne. So this man came along, and he asked a simple question. He said, كيف استوى? How did he arise above the throne? So Imam Malik, rahimahullah, he replied with his well-known, famous statement, a statement which actually has become for us, the people of the Sunnah, a broad methodology. In other words, Imam Malik has actually... Um, you know, essentially summarized the manhaj, the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah with respect to Allah's attributes. How do we behave with Allah's attributes? So in this short statement, he actually essentially summarized that whole uh, manhaj. So he said, Al-istiwa'u ma'loom. Al-istiwa'u ma'loom. Meaning that this action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is to arise above the throne, is something that is known. It's clear, it's known. Allah mentions it in the Quran, it's what it's known. And then he says, Wal But how he arose over the throne, this is something that is unknown. Something unknown. Wal bihi wajib to have faith therein is obligatory. anhu But to ask questions about it is a bid'ah is, is innovation. And then Imam Malik rahimahullah. He said, وَمَا أَرَاكَ إِلَّا مُبْتَدِئًا I do not see you except as an innovator. And then he ordered him to be expelled from his circle, from his gathering. So the man was expelled. So this man, we see that the, the su'al of this man wasn't a su'al of a muta'allim. It wasn't a su'al of someone who's coming to ask and to learn. Rather he came as a mu'anid, as one who came to dispute and wrangle. Why? Because in this man, there was that disease and that poison which entered into the Ummah in the 2nd century because Imam Malik, he died when? 
179 Hijrah. 179 Hijrah. And in that century, at the early part of that century, there was a poison which entered into the Ummah, which is Ilmul Kalam. Ilmul Kalam. This poison of Ilmul Kalam is that you speak about Allah, His names, His attributes, and His actions. You speak about them upon a foreign language, a foreign philosophy. And this foreign language and philosophy is what the Greek philosophers used to speak of. Okay? And so they entered this into the Ummah, and then they began to deny Allah's name. They began to interpret the verses of the Qur'an in accordance with this new foreign language. And as a result of which they began to deny Allah has names, Allah has attributes, Allah has actions, that Allah speaks, that Allah is above the throne, that Allah will be seen in the hereafter, that Allah made istiwa over his throne. right? And so these questions which are coming from these people here, kayfastawa, this is, this is a, 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 a method of rejection. It's not someone who wants to learn. So here we have another example of a su'al of a mu'anid. And then a fourth example we have, another example is, when a person, he wrote to Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he wrote a question in the form of poetry. Because often, many of those people, because uh, it was a, a skill, and sometimes they would write a question in the form of poetry, and then send it to the, to, to the, to the Shaykh. And so an example here is of a man, I won't read all the poetry, I'll just quickly mention to you the, the gist of it. Uh, a man wrote um, a line of poetry, and he basically he says that, O oh, you scholars of Islam, O oh, you scholars of Islam, uh, my protection lies in your deen. And then he says, so please inform me and direct me with the clearest of evidences. And then he says, do I have a choice? Do I personally have a choice to oppose the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Like, do I as a person, do I have any, do I have ikhtiyar, do I have choice to oppose the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What this man really intends, he's, he's actually someone who denies al-qadr. Okay? And so what he's trying to say, he's trying to ask a tricky question. He's trying to be clever. And he's trying to say, tell me, that when Allah, when Allah makes his judgment, do I actually have any choice in the matter or do I not have any choice? Right? He's trying to raise issues about the issue of Al-Qadr. But he is a denier of Al-Qadr. But he's mentioning this question because he is a Mu'anid. He is a, a stubborn opposer and denier. So he's put this question in poetry and he sent it to Shaykh Al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And then he says at the end, so by Allah, please heal me with evidences. Please give me a cure with evidences. So he's put this question in poetry, you know, and so Ibn Taymiyyah, look at how he responded to him. And this poem, by the way, that Ibn Taymiyyah replied to him with, is another one of Ibn Taymiyyah's poem, which is called the Qasida At-Ta'iyyah. Qasida At-Ta'iyyah. Meaning, the, qasida, the, the, the poetry, each line of which ends in the letter Ta. Letter ta, because the scholars had skill, they could write poetry and make the end word and the end letter of the end word of every line to end in a particular letter. So we have, for example, at-ta'iya, we have an-nuniya that Ibn al-Qayyim wrote, and likewise al-Qahtani, many centuries earlier, he wrote a poetry defending the aqidah of the salaf, and we have the ha'iya, 
of the son of Abu Da'ud, Abu Da'ud the Sijistani, Abu Da'ud the, the author of the Sunan, he had a son, also an imam of the Sunnah, he wrote a, a poetry, Al-Ha'iyya, maybe inshallah ta'ala, maybe later when we finish this, we can study that poetry as well, inshallah ta'ala, and then likewise we have the, um, we have the Lamiya, which is what we're going through, if you look at the, if you look at the poetry, what does every letter end in? At the end, Lam, Lamiya, and we have here Ibn Taymiyyah responded to this man, so Ibn Taymiyyah responded to this man, and it was called At-Ta'iyyah, every letter at the end of the word, of every line, ends in the letter Ta. So he responded to him and he said, Su'alaka ya hadha, Su'alaka ya hadha, Su'alu mu'anidin. So he said, this question of yours, or you who is asking, is the question of a mu'anid. And he said, Mukhasimun, Mukhasimu Rabbil Arshi Bariyul Bariyah. So he says that this question of yours, is the question of a mu'anid. One who is a disputant to the Lord of the Arsh, the creator of the creation. And they said, فَهَذَا سُؤَالُ خَاسِمِ الْمَلَأِ الْعُلَى That this question is one of he who is a disputant, he disputes, of the highest, the loftiest gathering. قَدِيمًا بِهِ إِبْلِيسُ أَسْلُ الْبَلِيَّةِ and he said, this question is one whose origin actually lies with Iblis. Because Iblis is the one who originally asked this question. And he is the foundation of every calamity. So what is Ibn Taymiyyah saying here to this man? He's saying that when you are asking this question, that when, that when, you know, when, do I have any choice to oppose the hukm of Allah. What he's really asking or what he's really raising is the same thing that Iblis did. Because Iblis, when Iblis was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, prostrate to Adam. So Allah ordered him, prostrate to Adam. Then he refused. He didn't prostrate out of arrogance. I said, Ana khayrun minhu. I'm better than him. So out of arrogance he didn't prostrate. Then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked him and expelled him, what did he say? He said, Bima agwaitani. Bima agwaitani. He said, because you have led me astray. Because you have led me astray. Right? So what Iblis, what he's actually, what he's really saying, what he's really saying, is you commanded me, but then you led me astray as well. So now there appears to be conflict. How come you commanded me and then you caused me to go astray? Right? So now there's a conflict between the shar of Allah when He commands with something and the qadr of Allah by which He decrees things. Right? So Iblis is raising, like he's trying to claim there's, there's a contradiction here. That's the, that's the essence of what he's trying to raise. You commanded me and then you led me astray. What am I supposed to do? You know. And so here this question of this man do I have any choice to oppose the hukm of Allah? He's actually raising the same thing as Iblis, Allah'in. Okay, so here, so now the point here then, Ya Ikhwan, is a su'al, there are two types of people who ask questions. There are only, when, when you are asking a question, 
Allah knows best what, what, what reason you're asking the question for. Either you are a muta'allim or you are a mu'anid. And that's why our ulama, our scholars receive these questions. Sometimes a person comes along, he asks an alim a question. A person from the Ahlul Bida, from the Hizbiyin, from whatever. And he asks a question. Right? This question is because he is a mu'anid. Not because he is you know, someone who is muta'allim. And so this, ya ikhwan, indicates to us as well the issue of ikhlas, of sincerity. That when we ask questions, why are we asking a question? You know, Allah, Allah knows inside what reason you're asking a question for. You know, so this is the first issue that is raised then. Ya sa'ili, ya sa'ili, O he who asks me the question. Then he said, An madhabi, ya sa'ili, an madhabi. And madhab here, O he who asks me concerning my madhab. What is my madhab? So al madhab here in this context it means al mu'taqad al yadhabu ilayh. What tariqa wal asal. Al madhab here means a belief that a person holds and a way or a path and a foundation that a person adheres to. This is the meaning of al madhab here. What is the ruling? Of a person following a madhab in Islam. What is the ruling? Because there are people who claim that it is wajib. They say it is wajib to follow a particular madhab. Now when you say that something is wajib, when you've made a hukum, because this, these ahkam, wajib, mustahab, mubah, makruh, haram, these are the ahkam of Islam. These are the rulings of Islam. Meaning that these ahkam are, are, are rulings which are in the shirim. Meaning it is Allah who has made something halal, haram, mubah, makruh, mustahab. So when a person comes along and he says, this is mustahab, this is wajib, this is haram, this is makruh. What he's really saying is Allah legislated that this is haram. Allah legislated this is makruh. Allah legislated this is mubah. Or the messenger, by revelation from Allah, legislated this is haram, makruh, mubah, mustahab, wajib. That's what he's really saying. So when a person says that to follow a madhab, a specific madhab, we're speaking about the schools of fiqh now, the madhab, in everything is wajib, then he has just claimed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated a person and made it wajib upon him to follow a man other than the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in every single affair of his religion. And this is a kathib. It is a lie upon Allah and it is a lie upon his messenger. Rather, what is wajib in the Qur'an is what Allah mentioned, فَاسْأَلُوا أَحْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ this is what Allah has made wajib upon every single individual. Which is, ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. If you don't know of an issue, you don't know its, you don't know its ruling, you don't know its hukum, then you ask someone from the people of knowledge. This is the thing which is wajib. That's what Allah made wajib. This is what we know as ittiba. That you ask and you follow the ulama, and you ask him about those affairs that you're unclear about in your language, in, in, in your, in your, in, in your deen. But as for saying that to follow a single man or, or, or a single madhab in every single affair of the religion and to stick to that, 
then you are uttering a lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, even though we say this, we are making the ruling quite clear, at the same time, we have to also make it clear as well, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He raised great scholars from, you know, from the tabi'een and those who came after them. And these great scholars had a great and immense role in compiling the sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in clarifying the rulings of Islam and in laying down the foundations of fiqh, of jurisprudence. And from those Imams, Ya Ikhwan, the likes of Sufyan Al-Thawri, Rahimahullah, and Imam Al-Awza'i, Rahimahullah, and Abu Hanifa, Rahimahullah, and Imam Malik, Rahimahullah, and Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahullah, and Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, Rahimahullah, all of them had a role in compiling the Sunnah and deducing the usul, the, the, the qawaid of fiqh. And so what they laid down was an amazing and ben- great and beneficial service to this ummah. And so therefore, we are people, we do not deny their heritage. We do not reject their heritage. Rather, we take from them and we learn from them. And it is possible for a Muslim or for, for, for a person who sets out on the path to knowledge that he learns the usul and the qawaid of a particular school, of a particular madhab. This is something that the scholars do not re- reject or deny. Because even in those times we see that there were scholars who were united in the aqidah, but they followed a particular imam in his approach in fiqh. So for example, there were Shafi'i scholars. There were Shafi'i scholars, Ibn Khuzayma, rahimahullah, and Al-Ajurri, I believe, one of them, and uh, As-Sabuni, rahimahullah. Many of these scholars, they were Shafi'is. And likewise, there were Malikis in different lands, regions of the, of the Muslim world. And there were Hanbalis. All of them united upon a single aqidah. But, but, there was one thing that united them all, which is that if there was any ruling from any imam or from any individual that opposed the sunnah of the messenger of Allah wasallam, they would throw that saying and stick to that which is the truth. Right? So this is the correct way to benefit from a madhab. This is the correct way. This is how it is with the ulama. As for that you can come along and you say it is wajib to stick to a madhab in every single issue, it is haram for you to leave it, and it is wajib for you to make taqlid, then you are uttering a lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because in essence what you are saying is Allah ordered you to make absolute obedience and following, not of the messenger of Allah, but to another man in the ummah. And this is the essence of your saying, and this is a lie upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for that reason, Al-Ma'sumi rahimahullah, Al-Ma'sumi was a... A scholar of the last century, and he actually wrote a well-known book. And in this book, the, the reason or the context behind this book was that there were some Chinese people who became Muslims. Some Chinese people from the communist lands, they become Muslim. And so they, when they came into Islam, there were some people pulling them this way. Come, be a Maliki. Come, be a Hanafi. Come, be a Shafi'i. Come, be this and come, be and pulled in different directions. So they were confused. So then they wrote a question to this uh, scholar, rahimahullah. And so this scholar wrote an excellent book. And this book actually is available in the English language. 
And it's called Blind Following of the Madhabs. It was printed in the, in the 1990s. It's a well-known book. I advise that you try to read this book. And so he says, uh, in, 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 the, in this book he says, as for the followers of a madhab from these four madhabs or others, فَلَيْسَ بِوَاجِبٍ وَلَا مَنْدُوبٍ it's not, it's not something which is wajib in the book of Allah, nor is it something mandub in the book of Allah. He says, وَلَيْسَ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَلْتَزِمَ وَاحِدًا مِنْهَا بِعَيْنِهِ It is not upon any Muslim to follow a single one in every single thing. بَلْ مَنْ يَلْتَزَمَ وَاحِدًا مِنْهَا بِعَيْنِهِ فِي كُلِّ مَسْأَلَةٍ فَهُوَ مُتَعَسِّبٌ مُخْطِئٌ مُقَلِّدٌ تَقْلِيدًا أَعْمَى So he says that whoever adheres to every single thing in a particular school of thought, in every single issue, then he is a mutaasib, he is a partisan, he is biased, he is an error, he is a blind follower with, the, with blind following. This is not correct in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said in Al-Fatawa Al-Misriya, he said, وَإِذَا كَانَ الرَّجُلُ مُتَّبِعًا لِأَبِي حَنِيفَةً أَوْ مَالِكَ أَوْ لِلشَّافِئِ أَوْ لِأَحْمَدِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَرَأَى فِي بَعْدِ الْمَسَائِلِ أَنَّ مَذْهَبَ غَيْرِهِ أَقْوَى فَاتَّبَعَهُ كَانَ قَدْ أَحْسَنَ فِي ذَلِكَ So he says that when a man who is following Abu Hanifa or Malik or Shafi'i or Ahmad rahimahullah because as we said, it is permissible for an individual when he learns and sets out in the path to knowledge to learn the usul of for example the Maliki Madhab in fiqh or the usul of the Shafi'i Madhab in fiqh and so on and so forth. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this. So when a man is following Abu Hanifa or Malik or Shafi'i Ahmed and then he sees that in some of the issues in what he is learning from that Imam that there is a weakness and the strength is with someone else from the other Imams then it is permit, then, then, and he chooses to follow that one then he has indeed he has done well that he has done good and this does not mean any revilement in his deen it doesn't mean that now he's, there's a shortcoming in his deen because he's left his mother in a particular issue. Or that in his integrity, there's some issue now. No. It doesn't entail that at all. Rather, he says, بَلْ هَذَا أَوْلَى بِالْحَقِّ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ مِمَّنْ يَتَعَسَّبُ لِوَاحِدٍ مُعَيِّنٍ غَيْرَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَمَنْ فَعَلَ هَذَا كَانَ جَاهِلًا بَدْ كَدْ يَكُونَ كَافِرًا نَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ ذَلِكَ so he says that rather this is more befitting and more worthy that a person should do this. This is more beloved to Allah and to his messenger than the one who is, you know, he is, uh, has ta'assub, meaning he has partisanship to a single person, an individual, who is other than the Prophet wasallam. So whoever does this, then he is a jahil. And in some situations he could even be a kafir. He could even be a kafir. In some situations, meaning that when it becomes clear to him that this is the haq, this is absolutely, undeniably, this is what the messenger said, and then you, with full knowledge, you make jihad. You now deny. This can even be a kufr. Na'udhu billahi min dhalik. So this then is a madhab. An madhab. Ya sa'ili, or he who asks, an madhabi, about my madhab. And then he said, wa aqidati. So he who asks, or he who asks, asks about my madhab and my aqidah. This word aqidah, we discussed it in the previous lesson. We mentioned the meaning of this word aqidah. The word aqidah means that something which a person's, like his mind, is actually firmly 
and resolutely holding on to. Your mind and your heart, obviously, your heart has has is has jazm. It it is firmly intent and resolute on holding a particular belief or idea. And so this aqidah could be batila, it could be false, it could be in agreement. Sorry, it could be it could be it could be, uh, it could be uh, correct in the sense that what you are believing agrees with external reality. Or it could be batil, it could be false, in the sense that it is not in agreement with reality. So for example, the Christians have an aqidah. The Jews have an aqidah. Okay? The Christians believe that Isa Ali salam is the son of Allah. Is this aqidah in agreement with reality? No. So it's batil. But, it's, but it doesn't stop it from being an aqidah. It's still an aqidah. And likewise, the, um, the Jews likewise, we can say the same thing. And likewise, many of those from who ascribe to Islam, from the people who believe in wahdatul wujud, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, that the only thing in existence is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no two distinct creations. There isn't a created and a creator. Now, there are some people who believe this from the Sufis in the past and in our time today. Is this an agreement with the reality? No, it's not. So this aqidah is batila. Even though these people have jazm, they have firm resolution upon this aqidah. It is batil. It is batil. It is false. And by the way, these people believe this is tawheed. This is a twisted understanding of tawheed. Tawheed means that you believe the whole of existence is one. That Allah's existence... And the existence of this creation is one. And that shirk is to believe in two existences. So if you believe that there is the created and the creator, now you've made two realities, when the reality is only one. See this twisted understanding of what is Tawheed? This is a twisted understanding of what is Tawheed. And this is not the only twisted understanding of what is Tawheed. There are multiple types of twisted understandings of Tawheed. There is the Tawheed of the Sufis. There is the Tawheed of the Ahlul Kalam from the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila and the Ash'aris and the Maturidis. Then there is the Tawheed of the philosophers. A Tawheed where all you have is a, an abstract understanding of oneness in the mind. Just an idea of oneness in the mind. That's it. This is, this is the Tawheed of Allah. No names, no attributes, no nothing. Just, just in your mind, if you can conceive of the idea of one, Stripped of everything, names, attributes, actions, whatever else. This is the Tawheed of the philosophers. Then there's the Tawheed of the Jabariya. Tawheed of the Jabariya. Those who exaggerate in Al-Qadr. They say that there is no action except the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the Tawheed of the Ash'aris as well, by the way. Meaning that every action being performed, it is actually the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So the Kufr of a Kafir is an action of Allah Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't say this. We believe that Allah is the creator, the khaliqul, uh, Allah is the creator of the actions, so He is the khaliq, and the man is the doer. So the man is the fa'il. Okay. When a man, he believes in Allah, and he performs the salah, this is his fi'l. He actually did the salah. He actually believed in the belief. This is his fi'l. Allah is the creator of those actions. Right? So this, this, is, how we, this is how we believe the Ahl-Sunnah. 
Allah creates our actions. Why? Because He created all of us. He gave us aql. He gave us fitra. He sent messengers to us. He revealed the sharia to us. He gave us qudra. He gave us lim- limbs by which we can choose to act. He created us. So therefore, when we act, our actions likewise are His creation. Right? So Allah is the khaliq. But mankind is the fa'il. Whereas what they want to say, the people who, whose tawheed is the tawheed of the jabariya, that the, the fa'il is only one. The khaliq and the fa'il, all one. This is tawheed. This is tawheed. And to, be, and to separate them out, this is shirk. So you understand that when we are trying, this, this is the whole benefit, ya ikhwan, of why we learn our aqidah. Uh, and from this we see ahlul batil in all their different forms. We see them for what they are. We have basira. Okay. So the point that we're making here is that, 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 we, that we're discussing then is aqidah is anything which the heart holds onto and binds itself to and has a jazm upon. That it believes that yes, this is the, 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 the right thing. And it can be batil and it can be haq. Right? So aqidah doesn't mean just that which is correct. No. Aqidah just means that whatever the heart holds onto, whether it's batil or whether it's sahih. So this is the meaning of aqidah. And we see that the scholars of Islam, they began to use this word aqidah from the first of them was al-imam al-sabuni, rahimahullah, imam al-sabuni was from the 5th century of Islam in the 400s. And he wrote a book, Aqidah al-salaf wa ashab al-hadith. Aqidah al-salaf wa ashab al-hadith. One of the great books of the Salafi Aqidah. And so the, the point here then is that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Rahimullah, he says, Ya sa'ili an madhhabi wa aqidati. So we explain the issue of su'al, we explain the issue of aqidah, uh, the, expl- the issue of the madhhab, and the issue of the aqidah. And then after this, we move on to the second half of the first line of poetry. This is what Imam Tim Rahmullah says, Ruzika al-Huda. He says, Ruzika al-Huda. Ruzika al-Huda, which means that a person is bestowed with the guidance of Allah. Man lil-hidayati yas'aru. That someone who comes and he asks, because remember, the sa'il who is asking Ibn Taymiyyah, who is he? Is, he, is, he a, is this a question of a muta'allim or a mu'anid? Who's, uh, who, which one is it? The one who is asking Ibn Taymiyyah this question. What, what question is it? Huh? No, no. Who is asking the question? In, in this one? No, no. In, in the actual Lamiya that we are studying. Who is asking? Is it a question of a muta'allim or mu'anid? Muta'allim, yeah. This, is a que- this, this one is a muta'allim. That's why he says, in the second half of the first line, رُزِقَ الْحُدَى مَنْ لِلْحِدَايَةِ يَسْأَلُوا This in essence, as we said in the previous lesson, Ibn Taymiyyah is actually essentially making a dua. He's saying that indeed the one who asks, the one who comes and asks for guidance, he will indeed be granted guidance. So this shows that this su'al is a su'al of a muta'allim. So, so he says, "Ruzika al-Huda man lil-hidayati yasalu." So now we have issues. Ruzika al-Huda, we have rizq, we have al-hidayah. The two issues mentioned 
in the second half of the night. So now we need to discuss a risk wal huda. So as for risk, rizq al huda, a risk. When we speak of this word risk, Allah is al razak from His names is He is the bestower, the provider. And this risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of two types. There is a risk which is aam, a general type of provision which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. And this risk, every type of risk enters into this. That which is halal, that which is haram, that which is given to a kafir, that which is given to a mu'min. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا كُلٌّ فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ He says, there is no creature upon this earth except that upon Allah is its sustenance. And Allah knows, Allah knows it's like abode and it's resting place and it's leaving place. كُلٌّ فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ that all of this is in a clear book. So here we see that there is no creature, no animal, no you know, human, and no believer, no disbeliever, no munafiq, no Christian, Jew, Buddhist, uh, pagan, mushrik, you know, you know, anything, mulhid, except that upon Allah is its sustenance. So here this risk is arm and it reaches every, every creature. And then there is the rizq which is khas. And that ayah, by the way, was Surah Hud, Surah 11, verse number 6. Then there is the rizq which, which is khas, which is specific. What is this type of rizq? It is the rizq which is... Can anyone tell me? Huh? Okay, yes, it's for the believers. What, what is the quality of this rizq? Tayyib, halalun tayyib. So remember, the first risk is everything. Halal, haram. Doesn't Allah feed the kafir with, 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 with a khinzir? Huh? Yes. Right? This is, doesn't Allah feed the kafir with blood? Huh? From, his, from his qadr? Of course, the kafir eats that which is haram. Even a Muslim eats that which is haram. Na'udhu billah. Okay. So there is a type of risk which is everything. Halal, haram, tayyib, khabith, everything. That, that is the risk which is am. And there is the risk which is khas, which is only that which is halal and tayyib. Halal, wholesome, pure, wholesome. Like Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kulu min tayyibati ma razaqanakum wa shkuru lillah. In kuntum iyahu ta'budun. Oh, you who believe, eat from the good, wholesome, pure things we've provided you with. And be grateful to Allah, indeed, if indeed it is only Him that you worship. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 172. And likewise, Allah says, قَدْ عَلِمَ كُلُّ أُنَاسٍ مَشْرَبَهُمْ كُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا مِنْ رِزْقِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تَعْثَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُفْسِدِينَ Allah says, indeed, every group from them knew its place of drinking. Eat and drink from the risk of Allah. And do not, you know, do not transgress and do not, you know, be mischief makers upon the earth. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse number 60. And likewise, Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he said, وَكَذَلِكَ الرَّزَّاكُ مِنْ أَسْمَائِهِ وَالرِّزْكُ مِنْ أَفْعَالِهِ نَوْعَانِ 
Ibn al-Qayyim said in his uh, Nuniya, and likewise Ar-Razaq is also from the names of Allah, is from his names. And Ar-Rizq, in terms of Allah's actions, is of two types. And these are the same two types that we've just mentioned previously. That which is Aam, Halal, Haram, Tayyib, Khabith, and that which is purely At-Tayyib wal-Halal. Okay. So now we understand Rizq. This is the meaning of being you know, given risk by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see that then Ibn Taymi said, Ruzika al-Huda man lil-hidayati yas'al. And so now we have al-Huda. And al-Huda guidance is from the specific type of risk. Because guidance is risk. Guidance is also from the provision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because provision from Allah isn't just the physical and material things that we that we have. The food that we have, this is this is physical and material. The clothes that we are wearing is from the risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The roofs over our heads is from the risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we have another type of risk, ya ikhwan. When Allah pours into the heart of a believer Al Iman and Al Mahabba, love, and Al Ittiba of his Rasul. Uh, and Allah bestows guidance. This is from the risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. This is why he said, Huda. He indeed is bestowed and pro- given provision with guidance. The one who asks for guidance. So therefore, here, guidance is from the risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the believer seeks. And to seek this guidance is something that legisla- legis- 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 legislatively, if I can get the word right, is something that is requested in the Sharia. That Allah has requested from the servant to ask for guidance. And that's why we see in the hadith of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allahumma hdini wa yassir hudaya ilayya. Or hudaya ilayya. He says, Oh Allah, guide me. I ask you to guide me. And make easy my guidance towards me. Right? So, it's, so in the Sharia, we are required by the legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask for guidance. And of course, you know that Surah Al-Fatiha is a request for guidance. Al-Mustaqim. We see in the Quran, many of the supplications mention the believers requesting guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of this is something that in the shara of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we, that we ask for guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, now, what is the meaning of guidance? What is this meaning of this word? Al-Hidayah. Linguistically, in the language, it means to take something out and move it towards something else. This is the meaning of al-hidayah. To take something and to move it to something else. And in terms of the sharia, in terms of the sharia, what is the meaning of guidance? Does anybody want to have any... goes the, this question. What is the meaning of guidance? Okay, that's al-ilmun nafi'ah is one of the ways but that's still deficient al-ilmun nafi' wal amalus salih but actually this is not the definition that we are looking at here because that, that is from guidance al-ilmun nafi' wal amalus salih guidance comprises of those two things but we're going to come to that later on inshallah in the next next lesson but here if you think purely just from the ilm point of view from the knowledge point of view what is al-hidayah No? 
No, that's, those are the types of guidance. MashaAllah, there you are. That's the answer right there. When we speak of guidance, guidance is, uh, it, it means to know the two paths. To have the khair, the goodness, made clear to you, and have the evil made clear to you. This is hidayah, as far as ilm is concerned. So now, it's become clear to you the two paths. That this is shar, and this is khair. And likewise, to be guided, to have knowledge of the path to success, and deliverance, and najah, and the path to destruction, al-halak. So to have that knowledge, by which you distinguish between these two, al-shar, wal-khair, and al-najah, deliverance, safety, and al-halak, this is al-hidayah, meaning, as, as it relates to ilm, from a knowledge point of view. But then there is another level, which is to be guided to act upon that. And this is al-amal salih this is, this is, this is a, like another, another level to that. So we see in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning, إِنَّا هَدَيْنَاهُ السَّبِيلَ Talking about man. إِنَّا هَدَيْنَاهُ السَّبِيلَ إِمَّا شَاكِرًا وَإِمَّا كَفُورًا That we have indeed shown man, him, we've shown him the path. We've made the path clear to him. Then it is up to him to either be grateful or to be ungrateful. So from a knowledge point of view, the path has been made clear to him. Now it's upon the man in terms of his action, now to be grateful. Because that's a second level of guidance as well. That's from guidance as well. And likewise in the Quran we see, uh, that by the way, Surah Al-Insan, Surah 76 verse number 3. And likewise, وَحَدَيْنَاهُ najadain In Surah Al-Balad, Surah Balad, uh, verse number 10. That we have shown him the two paths. We made clear to the us. So this is the meaning of al-hidayah. It means, uh, you know, from the ilm point of view, to know haq from batil, good from evil, deliverance from destruction. Then after that, we are requested, obviously, to act in accordance with that knowledge. And so with that, ya ikhwan, we conclude today's lesson. Um, we will conclude the rest of the discussion on al-hidayah, inshallah ta'ala, in the next lesson. Uh, but this gives us a good understanding of the first line in general. يَسَائِلِي عَنْ مَذْهَبِي وَأَقِيدَتِي رُزِكَ الْحُدَى مَنْ لِلْحِدَايَةِ يَسَلُ Now yes, I recommend inshallah that you try to memorize this poetry. It's not very difficult. It's only 16 lines. And as you memorize it, you can attach all of these benefits and fawaid to each word as you go along. It's a good method of, of, you, know, uh, of, of uh, you know, memorizing this knowledge and, and the benefits that go with it inshallah ta'ala. So we conclude our lesson here. Just a quick uh, announcement before we finish. There is a, a series of lessons, inshallah ta'ala, in Leeds. Uh, an ongoing series of lessons, uh, which is on Sundays at 6.15pm at the Bangladeshi Centre in Round Hay Road on Leeds. And it is going through a book, which is called, or the title of which is, Kun Salafiyan Alal Jada. Which means, be someone who follows the way of the Salaf, and who follows and who sticks to it seriously. You know who is who is earnestly upon this, this path. And this is a, a book written by one of the uh, sheikhs. Uh, and it is a beneficial book. And it is by our brother Taqweem Aslam. And so please, if you can try to attend those lessons, very beneficial as well. And finally, just a quick reminder once more about the conference in Birmingham uh, the following weekend, not this weekend, the weekend after, inshallah. 
uh, where we'll have some of the mashayikh inshallah ta'ala from Kuwait attending Sheikh Muhammad al-Anjari, Sheikh Ahmed al-Subai inshallah ta'ala so please try to attend, it's a great uh, chance to come and sit and learn from the ulama, from the scholars and from the students of knowledge and just to meet other uh, people from the sunnah, from the people of the sunnah and to mix with them so if you can, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Salafi Masjid in Birmingham and with that, we conclude our lesson today. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa shadu la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka wa atubu alayk wa jazakum lahu khaira.